Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm here. How are you, buddy? Fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm stoked to have you on the show. So thank you for uh, for taking the time. You know, drummers aren't usually known for their timing. Well, I love having drummers on this show, and I love hearing the, the perspective. Um, I had on Joey C a while back, who I love, uh, Alan, Ruben. And, um, you know, not just in terms of the position on the stage, but like the perspective of the situation. It's a unique one, isn't it? It's almost like the objective tower where you can kind of observe all. <laughs> I don't know. I, I look at a lot of butts. Yeah. You know? I'm sitting there. I usually see three to four butts. And a bunch of faces not looking at me. They're looking at the butt holders. The faces of the butts. Yeah. Yeah. Do you tend to look more at the faces than the butts then? Is that what we're saying? Uh, you know, I it's it's a it's a tight race. <laughs> it depends on who I'm playing with, too. Like, some yeah, yeah, yeah. nicer than others. Dude, you but. started super young. Crazy to think that um, at the age of four. Was that, was that right? Was that when you started? Yeah, you'd think I'd be better by well, now. That, that wasn't what I was getting at. It's just oh. insane to me that you can have a passion for something at such a young age. You know, I don't think I was doing anything worthwhile until I was like a teenager. Well, let's just... be clear. Like, I don't think it was very good at that point. <laughs> like, like, you see kids now on the internet and stuff, and they're like really playing. 
they're uh-huh. like actually playing and like they have technique and rhythm and and i mean i was like ah just smashing whatever you know like yes it was a drum set and i was interested in it but i don't the kids nowadays are insane i'm yeah, so yeah. impressed with like the level of skill that they have at this age or it's just that their parents are really like hey you need to do this eight hours a day get in there i often think that when i see these prodigies on youtube and stuff who are clearly like being filmed by their parents (laughs) and i often think like are they there of their own will or or is it that kind of pushy soccer mentality of like right get up start doing some fills let's get some followers for real though and then that whole thing of just like oh no i need more i need more expression and i want you to do a stick twirl and you know and you can see the kids like some of the real young ones are like they're looking at the camera like am i doing it right and they're just like keep working are you a parent yourself dude i have uh two kids they both have four legs each yeah um how how old are they both they're both five they they brother sister they pant a lot they uh they have terrible manners they jump they're they're good on walks Right. So okay. you're saying you got two, you're a dog dad. That's it. That's it. No, no human children as of yet. No. Or any plans to? Oh man, I, I took care of that. Did you? I mean, I'm yeah. the same. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day and I was like, I'm too selfish to have kids. And he's like, yeah, but having kids helps you become less selfish. And I was like, I don't want to become less selfish. I'm perfectly okay with my level of selfishness. Fucking A right, man. <laughs> like, I swear to God, that's right where me and my wife are at. I'm just like, I've, I've been touring, you know, the whole time we've been together. I've always been um, in and out of town and gone. And I mean, that's, for, for my, from my point of view, it's, it's a really difficult thing to try to manage. You know, if you really do love um, touring and making music and, and traveling and, and all that kind of stuff, it doesn't make for a great, you know, parental guidance situation i don't want to bag on on my friends who do the same thing that i do and have kids it's like listen everybody's got their own way but for us it just wasn't right for a lot of those reasons that you mentioned you know it's like listen i like my time with my wife a lot (laughs) we have a great time together like i'm not trying to like dilute that yeah well the other thing as well as you'll have seen is like parents on tour you know it's it's heartbreaking for them to be away from their kids and if you work as a touring musician then you're going to spend a good percentage of your life, not miserable, but unfulfilled because a big part of your heart is back at home and you're out on the road and you set yourself up for misery, don't you? I I think so. But I think that there's a lot of people that would disagree and argue that, but that, you know, it's just not for me or you. Each to their own, isn't it? Each to their own. What dogs have you got? Uh, So their names are Robert and Bird. Okay. uh, Just the most incredible things we've had french bulldogs for like over 20 years oh, and wow. uh, we yeah, decided what, what a great breed something else but so we decided that um we wanted to help out the kind of less fortunate so this is robert here amazing is he wearing like a punk sid vicious padlock on his collar as well well i mean it's it's gold plated <laughs> but yeah um uh, <laughs> you know they uh they're just really cute pitbull mix things and that's you know bird, that's bird is it no that's still robert that's he's still my robert. um i do play favorites and I'm, it just is what it is <laughs> well they're, they're not going to know are they deep down uh she knows she does <laughs> <laughs> i'm not proud of it but she, she goes to, she goes to your partner when she's looking for some love then <laughs> this is her. i mean I, I definitely give it to her but, oh wow yeah 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 
but, I, can, uh, I can see that that mix there yeah it's you know i'm telling you he is he's very photogenic i swear if you people listening could see these pictures i know just, yeah i was gonna say sorry sorry for all the audio people out there who don't get to enjoy what i just enjoyed um well they it. do have their own instagram actually do they? So where can people follow them then let's get some let's drive their numbers up <laughs> it's robert and birdie on instagram robert um, and birdie but they came with this with a fee you know what i mean because we adopted them from angel city pitbull rescue in los angeles and um they're like hey you know we're so happy that we, you've been approved for adoption and we'd really like you to keep up their feed and promote their their good looks to the world you know with and attach the angel city name to it so i'm like okay well i'm that guy that has dogs with a, an account now you know <laughs> and like and you've had a whole year in which to work on your content, right? Not being out on tour. <laughs> yeah, I mean, trust me, there there have been some serious photo shoots that have gone down. <laughs> Dude, how have you found it? We won't talk for too long about the Rona because I try not to. But um, you know, as as somebody who's a touring musician, and you've been doing that since you were a kid, um, this has obviously been the longest since you were fifteen, sixteen. I presume that you you haven't been playing shows. Uh, um, what have been your coping mechanisms for staying? sane and, and grounded and optimistic oh, it's insane man it's a really it's a really different way to to live when you're not performing on that level um you know for a little while it was kind of like oh this is cool like i'm just home and i'm not missing anything i'm just like okay like in just tons of shit at the house and like that kind of thing and, and was going to my practice space and, and working on fun stuff just practicing um and play but then it got to a point where i was like okay i feel like i need to make something and i started really um kind of wanting to to be more productive and creative so i started writing with you know several different people um remotely and and doing that kind of stuff and then also in that time we decided to move and we just okay. oh, where were you before then we were in los angeles right uh, and you've, you've left la have you bailed yes. My wife and I both grew up in Southern California and uh, we'd been in the house that we were in for 15 years and it was just everything kind of came together where if I'm on tour, we can't make a move like that, you know, because I'm only home for three weeks at a time or something. So this was an opportunity to just change everything. So we put the house on the market. It sold right away and we fucking left. Now, <laughs> so are you, that was are you in another city or have you gone somewhere a little bit more secluded and quiet both we are in uh we moved to tennessee so we're in nashville now oh wow yeah so it's really a uh, a big shift and it's been awesome we've been here since late november and it i love it here it's so green and beautiful and like i i mean I'm just going to take you over to the window here. It's yeah, the prettiest, like our backyard is just insane. I mean, that looks like England. Can you see it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that looks like where I am now in Warwick. That looks yeah. like you could be in the UK countryside right there. So it's green, super, super green and clean. And, you know, being from Los Angeles where everything is just shitty and brown and smoggy, yeah. um, at least where I could afford to live, it, you know, it was, such a welcome change so this has really been a fun thing to get out here and then also being out here you there's so many people that play their instruments really well and they want to play with you they're like let's jam just come over and let's write some songs i'm like okay awesome 
So it's been really, it's been a really great move, really different, different yeah. environment. People I've spoke to a lot of people who've done the same thing, man, that have left their cities and, and have realized that you can have a better quality of life outside. Yeah. And when the world gets up and running again, you can still go and do the roles that you've been doing all this time. Because you, you sort of realize, right, it's been like a kind of a global wake up call. Like, oh, you don't actually need to live in that fucking hamster wheel. Yeah. And, and just be a part of that rat race for forever you obviously for you like being in la for all those years is a great place to network and uh, whether you or not you want to use that gross term but you know what i mean you meet people you go to shows opportunities come about now you've kind of done that work and and you know people who would hire you know who you are you can kind of i think then afford to go chill can't you out of the absolutely but to be fair like i had you know being home i never went out I never went, okay. never go to shows or do anything. And so coming here, I've really got like kind of a new sense of motivation and a new sense of like, okay, I need to like, I need to network if, if we're going to say, you said it first, so I'm okay to say it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, and I've been, I've been doing that so much more here than I ever did in Los Angeles. Cause it was just like, oh, I know the people that I know and, and whatever, kind of like what you're saying. But here I've, I've been so proactive about it and I've met so many people. It's really been, um, it's been awesome. And I've gotten like tons, not tons, but like a bunch of sessions and like shit that I would have not done in LA for years because I've been gone. And once you're gone and people call you and you can't do the session enough times, they just stop calling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, well, so if you weren't going out and about to shows, um, if you don't mind, can we talk about Rocky from the Crypt just for a bit? Cause I love them. <laughs> And I have to pick your brain about them. Um, so you're 16. Are you still in school when you joined that band? Yes, absolutely. I was in high school and uh, um, I could drive when, when I joined Rocket. The first band that I was in, which Rocket saw me play in, and, and that's how they knew about me. I was, you know, the guys would pick me up and drive me to shows and, and we practice in my bedroom and like that kind of thing. So how much um, older were they? Were they a bit older or just a little bit or? Oh yeah. They were in their twenties. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So my first band was with this guy, Davin. I worked at a skateboard shop as a kid. And, uh, so this kid, this guy, Davin, he played guitar. I found out I played drums. And, and so he's like, well, I, I live with this dude. And it was, uh, this professional skateboarder, Todd Swank, who went on to do foundation skateboards and Tom Yeto, And he's like, this incredibly creative and savvy businessman in the skateboarding world. But he, uh, he, it was a, a three piece and we were called crankshaft and we played house parties and played some shows around San Diego and recorded a seven inch. And, you know, like that was my first band. Um, but then but you, you were doing it, you guys were doing it. Were you driven to kind of, you know, make it a thing from the start? Well, yeah. I mean, San Diego was just happening on such a, high level you know like like the music scene was really a thing like people were like going to shows starting bands and you know everybody was kind of playing with each other and that sounded really sexual that's not what i <laughs> but it was uh you know it was this thing that was really it was this burgeoning scene you know where where everybody had parties and the bands would play and then there were some actual venues and but there were a lot of just like thrown together shows and it was it was an awesome time the uh early 90s in wow i just dated myself um the it's early good. 90s in well, I've, I've seen what year you were born and it's all good you're looking great for your age adam um who were the bands that were kind That's of right. leading that charge 
were Rocket one of those, or was there a bunch of others? I mean, Rocket was definitely in there. There was a band called Fishwife, which went on to be Tanner. Um, Fishwife was great. There was a band Drip Tank. There was uh, Pitchfork, which was before Rocket. That was John and Rick. Um, Drive Like Jay, who was uh, just kind of starting up at that point. Um, and just a ton of bands, like Uncle Joe's Big Old Driver, and, uh, Radio Wendy, and like, I, I can't remember them all. I can see like the logos and shit, but uh, there was just, there were tons of bands and it was really this, this cool community of people. And then, you know, you would get some like Orange County bands coming up and, and, you know, sometimes you play shows in Tijuana even like it was, it was a, a cool thing. You know, when you achieve, like you, you, you get successful, you make a living out of doing music. Um, and that's obviously the goal, but I've spoke to so many people who say that it's those early years where you're really struggling that in many ways are the golden years. Like you're kind of just carefree, responsibility free. It's pure. Um, yeah, it sounds like it was a magical time in terms of the scene, but in your personal life, are they all happy memories from that time as well? Like it was a, uh, a I mean, good you time. Know, or did things yeah. get better? <laughs> I mean, things, thing, you always want to make things better. You know what I mean? Like you always want to um, play bigger shows and, and have better gear and like do all that kind of stuff. So there was always that, like, what's the next thing? Like, let's, you know, so I don't know that we really enjoyed, or myself, I don't know that I enjoyed the, the moment for what it is the way, you know, I try to now because it's like, yeah. holy shit, how long have I been doing this? And how, I don't remember that much about that much. So I've, I've tried now to be a little more like aware of what's happening right and right here. But yeah, I mean, dude, those were the days, you know, where we would, literally practice six hours four or five days a week and that's how we would write those songs and that's how those records came together and it's like people are like oh you were always so tight it was like because we were like so ingrained in each other and it was just such this, a this is rocket now you're talking about yeah? yeah 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 it was just a constant thing we were like just together all the time and um i do miss that because that was such a a, an awesome way to to be able to come up with parts and write music and songs and stuff because you had the time for them to grow and now so many times you you i mean more often than not you play songs you record songs before you've ever played them in front of a live audience and that's yeah that's a weird thing you know that's it is i feel like that's not how it should be because songs evolve and as soon as you play it in that different capacity where people are watching and you've got like this different feeling around you, the song itself takes on a different um, entity. And so not having that perspective is, it's a very different way to write, but you know, we've all tried to adapt. I mean, those, those kind of like the tightness you refer to there, I'm a big fan of the Hot Charity album. I don't think that gets enough love. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Scream, Dracula, Scream is obviously the one. And just, you know, the production on that is incredible. The playing is incredible. But Hot Charity is kind of, it's slightly more raw, slightly more loose. Uh, w when you signed to Interscope, that record isn't on Interscope, is it? So what happened there? Did you well, kind of sneak is. an extra well, album out? Well, they paid for it. Right. And we, the funny thing is we made that record twice. We've made it two times and there are some different songs on, on both versions. Um, 
the first time we went through, we used a producer guy that, that Interscope wanted us to use to kind of try out before we went on and did Screen Dracula Screen. So this was like a dry run in a way. Um, and that guy fucked up the record so bad. <laughs> like it was unusable. We went to mix it and it was like, this is unmixable. Every, everything was like too hot to tape and it was just distorting and blown out. So then when you really started, when you got it out of that studio and into a, a place to mix it and everything, they were just like, this is not usable. And we were like, fuck. So we told, you know, Interscope, we're like, we got to do it again. And they were like, okay, money. <laughs> were they pumping money at that band because of their interest? Was was Drive Like Ju the kind of like the, the thing they really wanted? So they were willing to just... Always, always rock it equally on their radar of like, we need both. Let's, let's get these boys fixed up. Let's give them all the cash they need. I mean, listen, I'm going to say that it was rocket that they want. You know, why would I ever think that anybody else was more important than my band? <laughs> but yeah. to be fair, I don't know. You know, I think that rocket was always a little more commercially viable yeah. because there was a, more of a chance of like a, a, a traditional hit song, you Which know, of course you had. Yeah. Well, I mean, on a rope was huge in the uk in the uk on a rope was a monster we did enjoy a lot more success over there than than anywhere else really but um that's so funny yeah so i think i I don't know what their motivation was i think that they really liked the whole idea they were trying you know they were looking at san diego as the next seattle and it was just it was gross but awesome what was it like for you then as a young man, like getting these experiences in these super high-end studios? Like, and, and I'm sh- assuming they were like giving you tour support and sending you out on the road and stuff as well. Was that all happening? Videos, tour support, and like all that kind of stuff. And it, it's hard to have that kind of perspective when you're 19 years old that this isn't just how it goes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there yeah, are yeah. people that are much better musicians than you that are uh, not having nearly this amount of, comfort mm-hmm. in doing this and and it took years and years to sort of gain that perspective like oh you know that's we were really fortunate i was really lucky to be hooked up with that band and and to get to do the things that we did at the age that we did it was it was crazy it was insane i always say more rock and roll bands should have brass and pianos uh, you know i think traditionally when a band gets brass it goes over to scar and that's fine but like rock and roll back in the day whether it's little richard or the rolling stones whatever like good bit of brass just you know gives that extra swing um and i loved that you guys had that sound because obviously at that exact moment scar was popping off again and the scar revival was a thing but you guys were definitely not that you know you were like a rock and roll rhythm and blues band that yeah. had these amazing brass sections people were really confused yeah I'll bet. this is and that was i think that was probably the biggest the biggest uh battle to fight because it was constantly people going like oh you're you're wearing matching outfits and you've got horns you're a ska band and then you start playing they're like what the fuck is this like that's not wait your ska is weird or like it's not ska man <laughs> forever what kind of band are you what it well it's i guess it's punk but it's not really punk either like we never did that like i didn't play that until way later in life like that was not the thing that we were doing ever. Yeah, and I guess you were were you put with various different bands in different genres for tours. Like, didn't I was reading? Didn't you tour with Rancid? Obviously, not on the same tour, but and Soundgarden. They they yeah. they were the kind of areas <laughs> of the spectrum you were you were flipping between. Were yeah, both absolutely. Crowds receptive to you? 
Uh, I would say the Rancid tour was a much more receptive audience. Than right. This yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was uh, six weeks of dodging items during <laughs> the set because the people would just throw all manner of shit. And that's you. the and that was the most receptive. No, no that was <laughs> yeah, as if uh, yeah. Soundgarden they were they were kind of they were they were put off by by us and and the Soundgarden guys were beautiful people like so nice and so welcoming and so supportive and they would you know be watching side stage and you know just very um apologetic that their fans weren't more ready for what we had to offer were you getting starstruck or were you from an early age quite comfortable being around you know musicians and quote-unquote famous people if you were coming into contact with them because obviously interscope had an insane roster not that you'd have all been hanging out at the clubhouse but um you know i imagine as a young man you were introduced to and, and in the circles with some fairly famous people did it ever phase you or did you learn quite quickly just to like treat everybody as just a human being and, and not freak it out was, it was mostly that you know mostly you just kind of you're sort of in the same areas as people and, the, and doing the same things and there was that commonality between you, even though, you know, there, I mean, there were certain people that I just have never wanted to meet because I don't want to um, be bummed out if they're dicks or, you know what I mean? Like find out that they're, they've got a crazy way of eating and shit just flies out of their mouth. Like, I don't know what it would be, but like, you want to keep that. Like, like I, I don't think I'll ever meet PJ Harvey because uh, I just yeah, yeah. don't, I don't want anything to color my the the high high post that she sits on for me well the other thing is like you risk if you're a super fan of someone like and i'm not saying this at you but i've certainly done this like you you risk making a fool of yourself by getting overexcited and saying something stupid and then you've ruined it (laughs) i don't care you'd be all right like i'm an idiot you know what i mean like i'm such an idiot and i and everybody knows it like that's not there's no secret there and i'm <laughs> i have no no shame it's just like oh, whatever it's like it's i'm i'm a total moron so it, <laughs> it i can't say anything to them that i haven't already said like on tv or like on a podcast with matt stocks like i'm i'm an idiot and it's just out there so it's fine well you can't be that much of an idiot dude because one thing i think that's true with certainly like people like yourself who've played in multiple projects is you don't get hired if you're an asshole um and a big part of it because a big part of it skill sets one thing but you know I, I think a huge part of it as well is your ability to integrate into different band dynamics and you know be flexible and personable and so when you're coming out of rocket from the crypt and there's the whole world at your feet you know how old are you when you leave that band like mid-20s yeah, I was about 26 because I joined when I was 16 and I left at 26. So how are you then like going about getting gigs in, you know, Alkaline Trio and, and playing with with Pat from from Weezer? How do opportunities like that come about if you're not or were you at that point out and about going to shows? Um, I mean, I was definitely still going to shows and stuff then because, you know, I was I wasn't touring. There was a solid year there where I like was not touring i was being paid to practice with a band in la so that was easy to just start do that start doing that right away and and it was money coming in they had all these plans to go on and tour and do these things but nothing ever materialized and you could sort of you could sort of tell when i started up with them and i was like this is 
this is great because I can just be here and, and practice and be paid and <laughs> whatever. Like it was sort I didn't of the even know that was a thing. I've never even heard of that before. Does that still go on? Oh yeah, like people, yeah. you know, like there's hired gun situations all the time, but um but they I don't was, actually tour, they just do the rehearsals. I there was always talk of the tour though. You know what I mean? Like right, it was yeah, gonna yeah. happen. It was like, oh no, we're gonna do this and then this is gonna happen, and then it's like, okay. You know, but at 26, I was already like, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I was at this practice space all the time with that group and are they big? I, would, I mean they'll remain unnamed, but would we know them now? No. no. That was the thing. It was perfect. Um, so then I'm in the parking lot with my hot rod truck and Pat's out there with his hot rod car and we're just talking. And it's like, he knew who I was from being in rocket. And I obviously knew who he was. And we just kind of hit it off on that automotive level. And we started talking about everything and, and that's how the special goodness project sort of came about. Um, and then in that time somewhere, vagrant records who, rocket had signed to they had the tour the vagrant i think it was vagrant america or something and an alkaline trio was sort of in between drummers and having trouble and they they were on that tour so that's how that thing came about um so it was all like pretty organic stuff like just people that knew that i wasn't doing rocket and that i was available or whatever you know like that kind of thing and, and it it just sort of happened one thing after another I, I have only met Pat very briefly, but he seemed like such a sweet dude. And, and that album, it's Land, Sea, Air is the record you did, right? Um, Land, Air, Sea, yeah. Land, Air, Sea. Amazing tunes. Very Weezer-esque. You're wrong about Pat. He is not a sweet guy. He is the sweetest fucking guy. <laughs> like, he is such a nice, nice, genuine, and hilarious motherfucker that can play the guitar like it's it's amazing he blew me away with with so many different things when i in in working with him we made two records and only one of them got released but his his talent level is just beyond and i wish that he was more confident in doing the frontman thing because he did have a hard time with that but he he's so so great i i just don't get enough of it i wish it was there was more yeah, I mean, anybody who likes Weezer would love that project. And, you know, it's not to, like, reduce it and say that it's it's the same, but it's obviously coming from a very similar place influence-wise. And sonically, it sits in that, I think, same kind of lane. Sure. But but it's different enough. And and what's cool is, like, his voice is really good as well. You know, it's... No it's kidding. That's what I always said. He's like, I hate it. Like, he absolutely hates it. And he has such a hard time with it. I'm like, Man, you're so crazy. What's it like drumming for a drummer? Is that weird? Um, not really, because our styles are so different. You know, like we didn't, there wasn't um, any type of weirdness or competition. He never, he never once was like, uh, play it like this, mm -hmm. sit down at the kit. And I've, I've done that with, like, I've had people do that to me. Like, we're I'm like, okay, yeah, this, all right, I'm here as a session player. Like, I'm doing your record and obviously you can play the drums really well. So what would you like? you know what i mean and it's like some of it's a flex and some of it's like i just can't describe it this is what i want and it's like okay that's fine but pat was never he never did anything like that he was so like focused on the guitar and, and he actually played bass on that record too i was um, going to ask you play bass it was him he played everything and then just the drums was you yeah so. wow 
Did you tour? Did you play out and about with that project much? We did. We did. We got to tour with the Foo Fighters, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was like, it was us, the transplants, and the foods. <laughs> Fucking A. God, that's a bill. So weird. Yeah, I mean, weird. But for me, that's like some of my favorite bands right there. I've never seen the transplants. Like, they just never, ever seem to tour, certainly not in the UK. That yeah. first record they did was awesome. I thought it was so unique and different and fresh at that time. And it was right around that time that we did that so it was it was a it was interesting u.s u.s tour um and we did a couple other things i don't really remember like stuff on our own you know headlining headlining clubs you know whatever but um not extensive touring because pat was you know he had that other thing mm -hmm. that other thing what are they called the wheeze that's right <laughs> i watched their um their live stream they did the other week with the the symphonic orchestra yeah. Be beautiful you know i like the record okay human loads and, and seeing it with with this full orchestra was was amazing and the streaming thing's been weird because it's like you know obviously there's no crowd there so there's nothing to feed off so i think you have to do something almost to make it more of a tv show than a gig and so there sure. has to be something you know kind of at a point of difference um and they nailed it with theirs i thought they did such a good job um one of the most interesting people for me that you work with is tom delonge and i love that when you connected with him he would have obviously been in such a insane transitional period where it seemed like the creativity was just flowing out of him and he'd come out of obviously this other huge band. I can't remember what they were called, but I know they were big. And then, um, you know, he goes in to make this, this whole other thing. It's almost like an art project more than a band that was. Um, how did you guys get connected? Was that just the San Diego connection right there? Uh, yeah, actually, a um, this, this friend of mine, Gus Brandt, who is a road manager and a manager. Um, I've known Gus since the Rocket days. He booked Rocket in Pensacola, Florida in fucking 1822 <laughs> or whenever it was that we- Now you are it. showing your age. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> Gus had, I've been friends with Gus forever and he's always been a huge champion of mine. Um, he is another beautiful man that uh, has done so much for me over the years. He had met he had road managed blink and so he was you know that was what they were called yeah 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 blink 192 that's right. yeah um and so you know tom was starting a band and looking for a drummer and you know gus was always like trying to get me into the right situation he knew that i was a hired guy in the offspring and that wasn't um really where i wanted to be long term and he's just like listen call adam you know, and, and Tom knew me from Rocket Days. He was a Rocket fan. And so he, it, it just worked out and I went down and hung out. And it was that thing, you know, just being able to, to hang out with people and talk and, and bullshit and be easy to be around. And, and it just it clicked right away. He's such an interesting dude because there's clearly a lot going on there, you know, intellectually, emotionally. But then he's also like the fart dick joke guy as well. And I love people yeah. like that that are just, you know, they're very contradictory and complicated. Um, and yeah, I, I just, around that time as well, I seem to remember he was obviously very excited about that music and was making quite bold claims. Um, and, just a couple. <laughs> and obviously caught some stick for that. But like, I guess he was just riding on a, you know, a, a creative euphoric high, right? From finding a whole new side to his musical personality. Yeah, he was really trying to reinvent himself on a on a really big level and he wanted to come out right away and be as big as blink 
and then go on to be bigger. Like that was what he wanted and, and what he was after. And ultimately that was the hardest thing was that he kind of came to realize like, we're going to have to grow this at least a little bit. It's like we, we came out and it was already big. We were playing these great shows that were super, they were sold out and they were big. And it was like, no, we're not selling out arenas, but we're brand new. Like give it a minute, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, that he was always frustrated that it wasn't kind of going more quickly, but you're, you're completely right. He is a very creative and a, a very intelligent guy. And, um, he does have that other side to him, which is just complete wacky, zany stupidness, you know, and just childlike humor, which is very endearing and very funny, but people have a hard time. People had a hard time sort of, um, making the differentiation like how can you leave blank where all you did was talk about dicks and parts and then you're going to come out here and talk about hope and love and uh you know <laughs> good the, me the meaning of life and the universe yeah, exactly and, and yeah. so you know a lot of people kind of shut him down and shut us down as a result of that not being able to make the jump with him um to to this kind of new era and and uh you know whatever their loss in my opinion, like we were, we were onto something that was, um, unique and different. And in many ways, like you say, it was kind of an art project, you know, there were so many, um, there was so much attention given to the, uh, aesthetics of things and the way we presented things and the, the cine cinematic view behind the music, you know, like it was really always kind of crafted together in this way that, had very dramatic movements and things happening. It wasn't just like, check out this riff and then there's a song and then it's three minutes and that's cool. It's like, no, everything was like 40 minutes long or something. It was crazy. Yeah, it was cool because you could see the influences, you know, you could see he was drawing from like U2 and Radiohead and Pink Floyd and all that stuff, but obviously through his filter. Um, and I think what fascinated me about it was a lot of fans were just coming from Blink and, you know, let's not be too derogatory here, but I imagine a lot of Blink-182 fans around that time probably weren't familiar with Dark Side of the Moon, right? Oh, no. So, so they're hearing this stuff and like, I mean, what were the shows like, dude? Like the shows must have been in some cases euphoric, right? It got there. It definitely got there. So I would say by the time I Empire came out, we had started to gain our own fan base. And there were always holdovers from Blink. And, there, you know, People came from from the different places. You know, Ryan had brought fans from the distillers. And then after Ryan left and, and Matt was in the band, he brought fans from 30 Seconds to Mars. I had, you know, sort of a group of people that was interested in what I was doing. So they would come and then most of them were from from Tom's world. But you amongst that, there was it's like the the, the graphs with all the circles and like that thing in the middle was the intersection. Those were the people that were there because they liked the music they heard it and they didn't know who it was you know they they heard it on the radio or, or saw a video or something and they were like wait that's that fucking blink guy and like that was secondary that wasn't why they started listening to it and and when those the the amount of those people grew that's when the shows really started to make more sense for all of us you know like there was so much um reciprocated happiness from the stage to the audience like it was it was great because a lot of people were there and they wanted to see blink covers or a boxcar cover or something you know in the beginning it was like 
okay, yeah, I know we kind of got to get through this and then we'll move on. And we did. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah. Did that feel like your first proper band, like that you are in the trenches in a creative sense, you know, shaping and and kind of a part of in a real meaningful way? I know you're obviously on all the the rocket records and stuff but like were you involved much with the the songwriting process with rocket or absolutely i mean yeah yeah i mean like i said we would we would practice for you know 30 hours a week or something and it, it, it was creating that music and creating that stuff together um so rocket was very collaborative was it with everyone in a in many many ways you know i mean it was i i did all my stuff and pushed things in a direction from from my seat um and john was always very open to that so he and i worked really well together i don't know that everybody had the same level of input but he always respected my um my interests and creativity you know and and ideas and things where it was like i really think this needs to be twice as long or this needs to be shorter whatever you know he was he was open to that stuff what was that? What what's that dude like? He seems like an enigma to me. A super interesting, creative mind. Yeah, John is uh, another person that I've been very, very fortunate to work with. I've really had some pretty fucking good luck with right, the people it? that I get to play with. Um, you know, I I don't know if you know this, but John and I have a new band. No, yeah. right? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So we T- tell uh, all. <laughs> we made a we made a record. Um, we started recording it in october of last year and it's uh john my myself and rob crow from pinback uh fame i don't know if you know rob but um so john john writes about half the songs uh rob writes the other half and it's a very interesting very san diego sounding band and it's awesome like I love it. It was super fun. It pushed me in a way um, I haven't been pushed. Not only it's in my playing, but in in a creative way 
that I was really a very welcome challenge in 2020 because I needed um, something to focus on so heavily. And it, it really, I'm super proud of the parts that I, that I came up with for this record. And I can't wait for it to come out. And it's taking forever. It's making when, when is it out? Is that going to be out this year? Yes. Yeah. I fucking hope so. <laughs> it's like we keep running into issues. Like there's problems with the mixing, then there was problems with the mastering, and then the plant, the pressing plants are all backed up, and like all this kind of stuff. And John's putting it out on his level, on his label, um, but it it will be out this year. I'm I'm very sure, and we're hoping to play shows this year too. So, what's the name of that project? One more called, time. It's called Plosives. Plosives, like explosives yeah. without the X. Right. So if someone leaves the band, they will then be explosive but for now we're just close three plosives dude i love it that sounds super exciting man and what a great way to use the you know the downtime at least you know that's one thing you can do in the corona world isn't it is create and yes. write and record and you know, stay sane that way yeah so so in working with john again i mean many many years later and many bands later, projects later yeah for both of you so many different things since we we really worked together um he's really you know he's just as uh driven to make things great and he's he's definitely a um like a more mature approach to it he's very diplomatic now like if, if rob has like these ideas and maybe he's not really sure about this or that he's, he doesn't just go no i don't want to do it that way it's like it's very much more like well like you know let's let's talk about it and it's not you know kumbaya at the campfire but it's definitely a, a we're all professionals and everybody's like figured out how to work with other people in a creative way that it doesn't shut anybody down. So it's, it's a really cool thing. Yeah. That's the beauty of getting older. I find you, you do mellow and become more, you know, I think understanding of the other side, don't you? And, and you're allowed you're so you're able to have discourse and, and, you know, make compromises and, you know, reach, reach a kind of a common understanding. Yeah. It's all about perspective. And, and like you say, learning, what uh where you could have done things differently and, and maybe there would have been a different outcome in the past and, and you know hopefully everybody learns from those experiences pretty cool to be involved in a project leave and still you know create and collaborate and have personal relationships as well with people because yeah. not everything ends well does it and so to still have that kind of a yeah connection sure. is really cool it is it is um i've been really fortunate even you know after leaving angels i'm still able to to talk to all of them and, and be uh, friendly and, you know, we can text each other all manner of jokes um, in a comfortable way, <laughs> you know, for better, for worse. It is, it is what it is. Um, I thought but, you were going to pull one up then. <laughs> oh no. I, <laughs> You're like just in um, and my, yeah, the, the connection, I guess for me with you and, and wanting to get you on as well as your amazing, um, you know, and, and fully loaded career uh, is the current project that, you know, is, is your day job, your main focus against me. Um, just again, you join that band at such an amazingly creative time. Um, the Transgender Dysphoria Blues record for me is, and I love every album that, that Laura's written, including the, the, the side project solo stuff as well. But that album for me is the most vital, the most raw. It kind of makes... Well, I remember when I first heard it, it just made so many other music and releases of that time just feel redundant and empty because it was so intense and so powerful. Yeah. Um, 
and you come into the fold at that exact moment as she's obviously going through what she's going through what a wild ride that must have been and what a creatively incredible experience so um were you just sort of brought in originally to just fill in for some live shows in australia right and then they go well and it sort of comes from that and that's exactly what it was you know we they needed someone and um i was a fan of the band already so it's like well i know all these songs i would love to come play them with you in australia (laughs) absolutely (laughs) um so that was easy and and to go and and practice and have it feel so good so quickly um how did you know each other how did you know laura how did she know you i mean just in passing right just in passing angels had played a uh radio show in arizona where i walked in and against me was on stage and i was like what is that like i was instantly taken by uh the sound and her voice like just completely like like everybody went to the dressing room and i was like i went straight to the stage I was like, what the fuck is this i've never heard anything that's not true for a long time i haven't heard anything that sounds this cool uh in in live music you know let alone at a radio show where it was like just i don't know if you have those in the uk but it's just this mix of whatever is being played on the radio in a live capacity around christmas time it's like the christmas shows. i've been to one of those k rock weenie roast things so yeah i I know the vibe yeah and you're like obviously to get played on the radio do a set for free We'll put your single in rotation. Hey. Yeah, like <laughs> a weird game that they play or used to. I don't even know if it's like happening. Um, so I, I, I introduced myself to them, you know, and they were Rocket fans on some level. At least they knew who I was. Um, so there was that. And then I think the following year, we were all on Warp Tour together and I would watch them from side stage every day. <laughs> it was like that was it we didn't we didn't really hang out i didn't really know them um so you were really just like a, an admirer and just a, a respect yeah. yeah absolutely um so yeah it, it was a really comfortable easy thing in australia i think we had done a couple shows and she asked if i would want to play on the record um and i was like absolutely when do you want to do it she's like well as soon as possible i'm like well let's you know when you you stop in LA on your way home from Australia, just stay there with me and we'll record the record. And so it worked out that the studio was available and it just was super, super easy. It yeah. belies, it belies the intensity of the rest of the recording process because everything else besides those uh, couple days of drums um, at 606 were, was very difficult. Her studio got, um destroyed in a storm and they had to finish uh her and james finished the rest of the record the bass player quit her and james finished the rest of the record at some weird studio in georgia and it was like super sketchy but like i don't know it was just a really intense thing that that um it took to make that really intense record and it's it's crazy to think how crazy it is i don't know that's a lot of the same word but (laughs) It was a very intense time and um it was a a a difficult record to make i think for her on many many levels you know there was a lot of changes and changing drummers losing the bass player like all these different things and it was she just pushed through she really it's a testament to her will and uh perseverance 
Yeah, well, in the book as well, she obviously details there's the stuff going on with her marriage and with the court cases and the lawsuits and just a world of stress and chaos. Yeah. Um, Did you talk much with her one-on-one about the lyrical content and and the, you know, because she exposes her soul with such, you know, just brutal honesty and and courageousness. Um, Were you privy to you know where she was coming from from a lyrical point of view or is that something that laura just does she just you know gets down to what she does and then you're there to just elevate it in the way that you do you know she she had the songs uh i mean I, she had most of the songs totally written and everything and i was so focused on the rhythmic pattern of the vocals and the which is the so rhythm. unique aren't they her cadence is so different it is, it is but it's it's perfect for for having fun with as a drummer because mm-hmm. there's so many places that you can fit in and you can do things that um, support and accentuate but don't get in the way of the, the the lyrics or the vocal lines. So I was more focused on that stuff, and I don't think I really um, paid attention to the lyrics as much until I had like mixed versions of the songs, and I'd be like, oh. You know, it was really, it was a later thing. I've always kind of been like that. It's always been about the the way the song moves and and creating tension, moving into choruses. And and also, if that's your focus, because you can only focus on so much, right? And if if you was a dumb. No, I don't mean in that sense. I just mean if you're going to try and focus on the rhythmical, you know, percussion, then you can't really be dissecting the melody and the lyrics and all that stuff to the same extent, because then it's going to distract you from your job, right? I guess that is basically what it is. I, you know, and, and, and trying to make the, the most compelling rhythmic accompaniment to what she was doing and, and pushing things in, in different directions and making things move um, is my main job. And then later I can go back and enjoy the package kind of for what it is. So, yeah, it took me, it took me a while to, to fully understand everything, like you say, that was um, being talked about everything. So, Oh my gosh. What was the tour like for that album? So good. I remember seeing you in London at the, I think the electric ballroom was the venue you played there. And just, it just, again, it felt like more than music. And I don't know whether you've experienced that often in your life. Maybe you're saying with the angel stuff. Um, and, And I feel, I feel like around that album cycle with against me, those shows, it felt like more than just a live concert to me um being there in the crowd seeing the kind of people who were coming out the mood that was in the air was that you know something that you were aware of on stage did it absolutely it's something i was so happy to be a part of um something that you know to to be up there and and not just playing songs that people can dance to Mm -hmm. and and being sort of a, a form of catharsis for for people who are struggling with their own dysphoria or their own um whatever their issues might be. I think that against me has always stood for uh, supporting anybody who isn't feeling great. (laughs) Just general general outsiders, right? Like come, come gather all. Yeah. (laughs) You're tired. You're weary, whatever that famous quote is. So they do. Can I just say what a pro I appreciate that atom for the benefit of everybody listening this this deserves highlighting turned his microphone off to cough and clear his throat if only everybody did that dude that's the uh, first time i've seen that done i i respect that thank you really? yeah i mean we've been doing a year of zoom meetings and, and hey, stuff 
you have to. You would be surprised. You'd be surprised how many singers I chat to who are like, "Hey, yeah, 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 yeah." You're like, you, you know, you've got to direct your vo- your, vo- yeah. your voice into the mic. Yeah. Anyway, as you were, sorry, I just wanted to highlight oh, that. I appreciate. It. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I do appreciate that I can be a part of of that sort of um, healing journey for anybody. And and honestly, the the talks that you have with with people after the shows really highlight those situations and some are completely heartbreaking and some are completely inspiring you know and you see all different walks of life and all different um shapes sizes everybody is is there for a reason of their own and often it's that they have just found the band uh, for whatever reason. And some people are longtime fans and it's just, it's really interesting to, to get to talk to those people. I had a guy come and uh, he, he, he basically had to like pull me aside from the crowd of people. And, and I just saw something, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go talk to this guy. So I was like, okay, let's go over here. He's a little bit older dude. And he, and he basically said that he, you know, he had fought in, the Iraq war and like he'd been through a lot of shit. He had some gnarly PTSD stuff going on and he had brought his kid to the show and he was having a really hard time even being in the building. He's right back up against the wall and he's just, you know, he's watching and he said that we started and he didn't even realize this, but after about 10 minutes, he was like all the way up in the crowd as close as he could get to the stage, just watching. He's like, you he was like, it was a really, I feel weird saying what he was saying because it was very complimentary to me, but um, it was just an experience that he was able to shed all that, you know, craziness going inside, going on inside him that he wasn't comfortable being in crowds or loud noises. And here's both things happening. And it was just, it, it like superseded all those fears and and issues to, to come and enjoy the show with everybody else. And it, it was a really neat, thing to hear you know and you felt like maybe i am making a bit of a difference in this world <laughs> you know? it's like a really nice uh great feeling to have and, and to go to bed that night thinking that you maybe changed somebody's life in a little way yeah that's beautiful man and, and like drumming and, and drums and you know that's the root of our human connection i think you know without that kind of tribalistic you know it's like a heartbeat isn't it and we all just draw towards it and and you know music as a language is universal but particularly the the drums because that's really where it all begins you know in africa however many thousands of years ago and that's like that one thing that binds us all and you know you must get that because you are i've seen you play you're an amazing drummer and and when like as somebody who doesn't play any instruments it's very rare for me to spot an individual in the band that isn't the singer and really take note of what they do and how they do it. And, you know, I'm not asking you to confirm this because you you seem like a (laughs) humble dude, but I'm sure that there are plenty of people who come to watch, you know, all the bands that you've been in over the years and they're watching you and and loving what you bring to it. And that must be a really cool thing when you not only hear that, but in such a profound way that it's like, you know, life and death kind of stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. That that guy and his story has really stuck with me. And um, I feel I, I feel so lucky that he, that not only were we were able to do that for him, but then that he was able to share that with me as well, you know, and that's like a whole nother level of um, just sort of trust that he, he would stick around and, and wait for us to get out, you know, and talk and, and 
bare his his soul you know again because he'd been so raw all night and it's just it was really it was really powerful thing and you know anybody that that you feel like you've created a um an escape for them um and with angels that was a big thing for us like it, it was escapism and it laced with ideas of hope and uh positivity and you know just optimism <laughs> and i'm such an optimistic guy i'm always like it's gonna be fine it's totally gonna be great like i don't know we'll figure it out like it's gonna be fine like that's just always the way that i feel about things and, and to have to play in, in situations that make people feel like it will be okay or that even if it's just okay for this hour for the duration of this record or the song or whatever it could be i'm i'm so happy to be a part of that and that makes it that drives me to keep keep trying trying to create those things and, and make those types of situations yeah that's why we do it man and um in this last year i think we've all been reminded of why we love the live music experience and and just like the communal gathering experience remove the music just the whole idea of like being in one place together for the same reason um as you say it might not be that all our troubles are gone for for long term but for the short term they are and we can you know bask and celebrate in that and that's all enough <laughs> you yeah. know because yeah, now it's like we miss it so much we miss I didn't even know that I liked being next to sweaty people that I didn't know, you know, but like suddenly you're like, Oh shit. Like that was part of it. Yeah. That stink and that smell of the show. And that just sort of, like you say, shared reasoning, shared camaraderie, shared motivation to be somewhere. And everybody's is a little bit different, but it's also a little bit the same. Yeah. There's way more that unites, you know, all of us than divides us. And can you imagine, dude, I'm sure you've had plenty of time to think about it. You imagine how good the shows are going to be when they do return. They're going to be like before, but you know, yeah, just a little bit dialed up or, or a lot, a hell of a lot dialed up. I feel like they're going to feel, and I'm sure that will wane over time and it'll just get back to being just good. But yeah. I imagine in all of next year, man, 2022, I, I'm thinking about it a lot, just like how visceral and vital and, you know, life affirming just yeah. a concert is going to feel. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait to be a part of that. Tell me as we approach the end, dude, thank you so much for a great talk. I've loved it. And uh, yeah, appreciate you giving up your time. Um, you've been in a hell of a lot of projects over the years and, you know, Laura's had a hell of a lot of members over the years, but it seems like you two are sort of, you know, connected and, and there's a, there's a real long lasting, not just musical relationship, but a friendship there. And I wonder if you could just sort of shed some light on, you know, Laura as a creative and then your relationship and friendship and um, yeah, just sort of put us in the picture of what it's like playing with her and touring with her and being I mean, in life in the way that you are. Yeah. She is, you know, she is a very, she's a force to be reckoned with and, and very creative and, and very driven in, in many ways. And, and so to be, to be able to work with that, you know, um, in the different capacities that we have, you know, the devouring mothers thing was really really fun because it was a sort of a different approach to music in some ways you know like it, there are songs that could potentially go the against me route but we we did in in this capacity and, and then there's other songs that really wouldn't have any place on an against me record and those you know bringing those together and and, and making those writing those and, and having them um 
come together the way they did, that was a really rewarding experience. And she's so, uh, she's so full of ideas and she knows, she knows how, how to, to work with, um, these different elements to, to make stuff that's, that is compelling. And, and the lyrical content is just like nothing I've ever dealt with. You know, her, her style of writing is definitely lyrics first. Um, and the music is, is secondary. And <clears throat> I really, I'm so lucky to have that bed of, of, you know, amazingness to work with, you know, because she is, uh, so prolific in that way and, and it's it's awesome it's awesome to be a part of and you know it's intense she's an intense person an intense human being and, and how could she not be um so it's it's definitely a roller coaster of things that there are ups and there are downs but it's you, you're there for her and you want to be supportive and in, in any way you can be and uh she she appreciates it and so it's great it's a it's a fun working environment you know it definitely is it can be work and it's but it's so worth the work you know it's definitely a, a rewarding product at the end and a, reward, and a rewarding experience for you as well love it absolutely it is as a drummer what do you see your role in any band that you play and what's your you know reasoning for being there and i mean i really I, I want to create, I want to make people move, you know, and that doesn't mean jump up and down and, and, and shake all over. It's, I want you to feel an emotion when I have made a, a, a I've created tension throughout the first verse and the pre-chorus and like, you don't even know why, but you're starting to do this. And then all of a sudden the chorus hits and you go, Oh, and it just like there's this release and this thing, and it just seems like all of a sudden you're you're flying down the street on your motorcycle or whatever you're you know you're on a kite you're 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 a bird I don't know but you're soaring and that's it doesn't even matter what song it is like that I'm always trying to do that on some level and uh, I feel like that's my job and that's what I try to do again, no matter what the project, no matter what the song, I think that there's room for that. Um, it's incremental, you know, sometimes it's really noticeable and sometimes it's just like, oh yeah, you did do that. How did you do that? It's so quiet. Like it's such a quiet song, but then there was like this really nice release and things seem to float along in a different way than they were in this other part. And um, creating those sort of dynamics and an art to a song is my biggest challenge and what I try to do. And also try to make people laugh with the stupid jokes. And that's my other job. Like, that's a real day job. <laughs> well, yeah, what you say right there, all great art is that I think is the build up and the release of tension. You know, comedy is exactly that is you go, oh, my God, oh, my God. Ah, and uh, yeah, I think when it's good and it's done right, it gives you a physical response. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is the ultimate payoff is when you see that in full effect. Right. Must be an amazing feeling. Um, dude, I really enjoyed this. And uh, yeah, I want to thank you again, not just for doing it, but thank you for all the music, man. And I'm honored. Thank you for asking me. It was all is my pleasure. Keep in touch. And um, I'm sure I'll see you at an Against Me show in the, the, the hopefully not too distant future, man. But yeah, this has been great. And uh, keep in touch, dude. And all the best. All right, man. Take care. Cheers, Cheers Adam. Good man. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 